Today on Know the Truth from Philip DeCourcy. Prayer is no substitute for action. Words are no substitute for action. Hymn singing is no substitute for a lack of gracious words at home. Worship without spirit is untrue. God has no time for a bunch of talkers. Faith without works is dead. Theology without love is nothing. Welcome to Know the Truth. I'm Wayne Shepherd. James 1.22 says to be a doer of the word, not only a hearer who deceives themselves. And that's our topic today as Philip DeCourcy teaches what idle words are, why they're so dangerous, and how to avoid using them. It's a message called Those All-Important Words, Part 2, from the That Makes Good Sense series. Later on, I'll tell you about two timely resources designed to help believers not only hear, but apply God's word to their lives. You can learn more at ktt.org. But now, here's Philip with his message. Came across a great story this week in my studies concerning a, an ambassador from Spain who didn't know much English, or he didn't know English very well, probably to put it more accurately. He came to the United States to serve his country on assignment. And during one official occasion, he met up with the American diplomat who began to engage him in conversation. Making some small talk, the diplomat asked the Spanish ambassador if he had any children. The ambassador, in broken English, tried to explain, unfortunately, his wife could not have children. He started by saying, my wife is impregnable. Looking at the face of the American who kind of drew him a stare, he realized that wasn't quite the right way to put it, and so he offered this. What I mean to say is my wife is inconceivable. That obviously made things worse. So trying to uh, redeem himself, he finally said, what I'm really trying to say is, my wife is unbearable. (laughs) I've been there, done that, right? You're looking for the right word, and while you're looking for the right word, you keep talking, and the hole gets deeper and darker, and uh, there you are. Finding the right word, conveying the right message is a challenge even for those to whom English is not a second language, but a first and mother tongue. And so we come to the book of Proverbs again because we want to learn how to say the right thing at the right time in the right way. That's so critical to life. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. How we employ our tongues matters a great deal. It determines the quality of one's life, one's relationships, one's marriage, church fellowship, the ability to communicate effectively and evangelize successfully. But before we go any further, I do want to say that the book of Proverbs not only reminds us of how important speech is because it determines to a great degree the quality of our life, and the happiness that we bring to others and the joy we know ourselves. But it's important because our mouth betrays the condition of our heart. You can learn a lot of things about a person by the words they use and the things they say. In um, 
Proverbs 12 and verse 23, we read, A prudent man conceals knowledge, but the heart of fools proclaims foolishness. A fool gives himself away by his speech. A foolish heart will betray itself in foolish talk. Look at uh, chapter 16 and verse 23. The heart of the wise teaches his mouth and adds learning to his lips. There you see a relationship between what we say and our hearts. In fact, the, uh, the critical verses, Proverbs 18, verse 4, the words of a man's mouth are deep waters. Our words spring from deep within. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew 12 and verses uh, 33 through 34, that, that out of the heart, the mouth speaks. Van Savner put it this way, what's down in the well will come up in the bucket. And our mouths give us away. They betray our spiritual condition. They betray the, the state of one's heart. And that's why it's very important that you and I listen to what we're saying. Because if we listen to what we're saying, it's like putting a stethoscope to your heart and you'll be able to see what your spiritual condition's like. If you're saved, if you're making progress in the Christian faith, your words will betray that. Our words are very important. They betray and they belie the condition of our hearts. We may say that we're spiritual. We may give testimony to the fact that we're saved. But what we say in between saying those things will help us determine how real that statement is. So let's get to looking at these words so we can take a good look at ourselves. Not only should we be concerned about words that hurt, but we should be concerned about words that hide. And I want to spend a lot of time on this, but I do want to cover it to some degree because paradoxically, the book of Proverbs not only speaks about the power of the tongue and the impact that our speech can have, but paradoxically, it speaks about the tongue's weakness. Proverbs speaks of how weightless and worthless words can become if they're untrue, if they're insincere, and if they're not acted upon. Just because we say something doesn't make it so. Just because we deny something doesn't prove that the denial is right. Words can be weightless and worthless if they are not underwritten by integrity and intention. The book of Proverbs warns us that words can be used to cloak and to hide. They can become smoke and mirrors, hiding what others don't want us to see. They can be given in the place of action. They can create an illusion that is far from reality. And the book of Proverbs would have us think about that for a moment. Words that hide. There's a real danger that we can hide behind words. We can cloak something that's wrong in our lives by the right kind of words. Mere talk is no substitute for deeds. That's one of the lessons from the book of Proverbs. Chapter 14, verse 23 says, In all labor there is profit, but idle chatter leads to poverty. 
Idle chatter leads to poverty. The point there is that actions always speak louder than words. Someone has said that well done is always better than well said. And that's true. The book of Proverbs talks about the danger of mere talk not being enough. Mere talk is no substitute for deeds. And no matter how many words you say, it doesn't change the facts. Should they be other than you say? Look at Proverbs 26. Words can be used to cloak wicked intentions. Look at Proverbs 26 and verse 24. He who hates disguises it with his lips. Words that hide and lays up the seat within himself, and he speaks kindly. Do not believe him, for there are seven abominations in his heart. What's in his mouth? Kindness is not in his heart. In fact, there's wickedness there. There's disconnection that's dangerous and deceptive and damaging. The book of Proverbs warns us. In fact, um, Look at Proverbs 24 and verse 12, just as another example of what we're talking about here. Mere words don't change the facts. Proverbs 24 and verse 12, If you say, surely we did not know this, does not he who wears the heart consider it? He who keeps your soul, does he not know it? And will he not render to each man according to his deeds? It's kind of talking about someone's denying something, and it may be true, but only God knows, and someday we'll, God will, will determine. They can deny it all they want, but if God sees through and sees the heart and knows the heart, well, just because you deny something doesn't change the fact that you did something. And there's a great reckoning that's going to sort and straighten that all out. And so the book of Proverbs warns us about just talking. Give you one other example of this. Look at Proverbs 29, verse 19. Mere words cannot compel a response. 29, verse 19. A servant will not be corrected by mere words, for though he understands, he will not respond. What's the point of that proverb? Well, a master may come in and correct his servant, or a master may come in and demand something of a servant, but mere words don't bring about a response unless the servant hears, understands, and commits with his will, and out of an obedient heart does what the master has asked. Otherwise, it's mere words. And that's our point. Words can cloak and hide if those words are not true and sincere and backed up with obedience. And if we're making an application, the point is this, that saying and doing are two different things. And we've got to be careful that we don't speak about something so often that we create an illusion that we're actually doing it. You know, there's a real danger that we could be out every Wednesday night praying for lost souls, and we've done that for so long, we may have uh, created the illusion that we've actually got a burden for souls, and we've actually deceived ourselves and others because while we pray for souls on Wednesday night, we never open our mouths to speak for Jesus any other day of the week. And it's all mere talk. And saying and doing something are two different things. Words are not enough. Look at Titus 1, verse 10 to see this. I'll give you one other example along with it in a moment. But Titus 1, verse 10 warns us about this. Titus 1, verse 10, speaking of false teachers, but nevertheless, there's a point. For there, there are many insubordinate 
both idle talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision, whose mouths must be stopped, who subvert whole households, teaching things which ought not for the sake of dishonest gain. Look at the description of these false teachers, these professors of faith in Jesus Christ, those of the circumcision. Paul says they are idle talkers. Mere words don't amount to reality. They may say they love Jesus, but by their actions and their false doctrine, they undermine the great truth of salvation by grace alone and faith alone in Jesus Christ alone. We don't need Moses. We only need Jesus. But these idle talkers will tell you something else. The God of truth despises the sacrifice of fools. Go back to Ecclesiastes 5. This is one of the wisdom books along with uh, Proverbs. Here's what we read. Walk prudently when you go to the house of God and draw near to here rather than to give the sacrifice of fools. For they do not know that they do evil. Verse 2, do not be rash with your mouth and let not your heart utter anything hastily before God. For God is in heaven, you're on the earth, let your words be few. Verse 4, when you make a vow to God and do not delay, do not delay to pay it, for he has no pleasure in fools. There's the repetition of the word fools from verse 1. What is the sacrifice of fools? It's someone that says to God, I'm going to do great things. I'm going to kill bad things for your glory, but they never get around to doing it. They make these vows, promises, statements about what they're going to do for God's kingdom, for God's glory, but it never comes to anything. And the book says that's the sacrifice of fools, and it's evil. And most people don't detect it because when they see you singing on a Sunday or they hear me preaching on a Sunday, they're not with us the rest of the week to see if we have offered the sacrifice of fools to God. But God sees that. Prayer is no substitute for action. Words are no substitute for action. Hymn singing is no substitute for a lack of gracious words at home. Worship without spirit is untrue. God has no time for a bunch of talkers. Faith without works is dead. Theology without love is nothing. So let's be careful here, folks. Let's not be like Mr. Talkative in Pilgrim's Progress. If you've read Pilgrim's Progress, John Bunyan introduces us to a very interesting character that meets Faithful on the journey towards heaven. And Faithful is taken in by Mr. Talkative. He loves to talk about things heavenly, things earthly, things moral, things evangelical, things sacred, things profane, things past, things to come, things foreign, things at home, things essential, things circumstantial, providing it can all be done with profit. They're his own words. And faithful enjoys this initial conversation with talkative, and then faithful engages Christian and introduces Christian to this new character, Mr. Talkative. And Faithful says, do you know him? And Christian says to Faithful, yes, I do. And I love this statement in Pilgrim's Progress. He is the son of one Mr. Saywell who dwells on Prodding Row. And then Christian warns Faithful not to be taken in by talkative, who talks a great game, but performance is lacking. In fact, uh, Christian says this about him. 
Your saying that he is a pretty man brings to mind what I have observed in the work of a painter whose pictures show best at a distance but very near more unpleasing. And what Christian is saying in that picture of the painter is if you look closer at Mr. Talkative and get behind his words, you're going to find emptiness. You're going to find a form of godliness that denies its power. It's all talk. You know what? You and I need to be careful that we don't become like Mr. Talkative. We talk a great game, but performance is lacking. Well, let's move on and look at words that heal, words that hurt, words that hide. Now we're moving uh, to the positive admonition here of the book of Proverbs, words that heal. There is a certain use of words and there's a certain content in that speech that uh, builds people up rather than brings them down. Words that promote life. Proverbs 12 verse 25 says this, anxiety in the heart of man causes depression, but a good word makes it glad. The book of Proverbs talks about good speech, wholesome talk, Speech that heals and helps people. Look at Proverbs 10, verse 11. Speaking of the righteous, the mouth of the righteous is a well of life, but violence covers the mouth of the wicked. Proverbs 12, verse 18. There is one who speaks like the piercing of a sword, but the tongue of the wise promotes health. You and I want to use our tongue to promote happiness and holiness and health in the lives of others. So let's look at some of the form of words that will promote peace and multiply joy and smooth out disagreements and cultivate good conversation. If you're taking notes, here's the first category of words that heal. Number one, thoughtful words. Now we looked earlier today at the fact that if we're not careful, we can speak thoughtless words, reckless words, words that we put no thought into and we just blurt them out. The tongue of the fool gushes foolishness. But the man who is wise speaks sparingly. And so here we have the first category, words that are spoken that have been pondered and thought about carefully. Look at Proverbs 25 and verse 20 as an example of what we're talking about. Proverbs 25 and verse 20. Like one who takes away a garment in cold weather and like vinegar on soda, is one who sings songs to a heavy heart. If someone has got a heavy heart, they don't need you to whistle around them. They don't need you to sing songs around them. That's thoughtless, not thoughtful, not wise. No, you need to be more tactful because in Proverbs 17 and verse 14, we read this. The beginning of strife is like releasing water. Therefore, stop contention before a quarrel starts. Again, here is another proverb that encourages thoughtful words. Hold back. Dam up your words. Think about them before you let them gush out. Because the beginning of strife is like releasing water. Once it's out and starts going, events are going to get carried along in that stream of speech. You and I need to be tactful and thoughtful with our words. In Proverbs 10, verse 19, in the multitude of words, sin is not lacking, but he who restrains his lips is wise. But the verse we really want to go to is Proverbs 15, verse 28. The heart of the righteous studies how to answer. 
but the mouth of the wicked pours forth evil. The heart of the righteous studies how to answer. If you want to write down a good statement, I like these one-liners. Some of them I get from books. Some of them are my own. This one's my own. The last thing that you should say is the first thing that comes into your mouth. The last thing you say is the first thing that comes into your mouth because the heart of the righteous studies how to answer. We usually don't get it right first time, or we certainly won't get it right first time if we don't pause and pray and reflect and take into account who we're speaking to and how they will receive what we're about to say. So be thoughtful. Proverbs 25 and verse 11, again, is a beautiful verse, one worth ringing in your Bible. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver. Aptly spoken, appropriate, fitting, measured to size. In fact, there's a beautiful picture here. What we have basically got here is some kind of ornament. You know, it might be woodwork, it might be metalwork, it might be ceramic, but there it sits, and that's the picture here. There's a beautiful ornament sitting in this person's house. It's gold apples on plates of silver, crafted, worked on. And what the Bible is saying here is that just as a craftsman works on um, that ornament before it's put on display, so you and I need to craft our words. We need to work on our words before we ever put them on display. Don't put out half-finished words any more than a craftsman would put out half-finished work. Work on your words. Craft them. Make them fit appropriately. Don't make someone awkward by an awkward word. Be thoughtful. In fact, Jesus tells us in Matthew 12 that every idle word will be given account for. In the Greek there, we have a word that's a compound word that means free from work. What is an idle word? An idle word is a word that wasn't worked on. A thoughtless word that we will regret because God will remind us of it on the final day. So here we have an encouragement to use thoughtful words. An important reminder to mind our mouths. You're listening to Know the Truth with Philip DeCourcy and a message titled Those All-Important Words, Part 2. If you would like to replay this message, visit ktt.org. You'll also find it on the KTT app or podcast. Just search for Know the Truth with Philip DeCourcy in the app or podcast store on your mobile device. Well, as Philip said today, words are no substitute for action and faith without works is dead. And that's why it's important to not only have biblical knowledge, but also wisdom on how to apply that knowledge. And that's what we hope to share in the next several weeks here at Know the Truth as we continue along in our study in Proverbs. We hope to share it with as many listeners as possible so they can be pointed to clear biblical truth for everyday living and be doers of the word. But this ministry work wouldn't be possible without like-minded believers like you who value making the gospel known to a world in need of truth. It's your generous donations that fund the planning, producing, and distributing of this Know the Truth broadcast. So, thank you. And maybe you'd like to take your support a step further by becoming a Truth Ambassador. These monthly givers set up an automated gift of $25 or more and receive exclusive resources and messages from Philip in appreciation of their partnership. You can become a Truth Ambassador today or give a one-time gift of any amount by calling 888-644-8811 
or give online at ktt.org. And when you do, you'll receive the book, What God Wants Every Dad to Know, The Most Important Principles You Can Teach Your Child. You'll also have an opportunity to send a copy of Philip's encouraging book, Take Cover, to a friend. Again, call 888-644-8811 or visit ktt.org. Well, I'm your host, Wayne Shepherd. Join us again tomorrow as Philip DeCourcy concludes today's message on wise communication. We're learning more about those all-important words Friday on Know the Truth. Today's program was produced and sponsored by Know the Truth Incorporated. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Yeah.